good to get out of the hollow. Uh, I uh, wanted to share with you that Heather is doing quite well. She's uh, on her way back to Chile this week. Uh, her surgery was very successful, and uh, we thank the Lord for that. And uh, she's on her, she's up with her mother in Maine, and she's going to go back this week. Uh, Connie's mom went in the hospital Wednesday evening and she's been in intensive care since then except she got out last night and was in a regular room still being monitored and everything. I could tell you all the things wrong but I wouldn't have any time to do any preaching. Uh, she's 96 and she's just kind of getting to the place that she's running out of energy I guess. And uh, so you can just remember that I, I just asked the Lord to be gentle with her. I don't know what the Lord's got in store, and I don't know, you know, if she'll make it through this time or not. But she says, I'm ready to go. And she says to Connie all the time, she says, don't live this long. <laughs> too many things go wrong. She says, when you get up in your 90s, she says, just too many things to go wrong. So she says, just, just don't live this long. Cause I don't know if any of us want to choose to die, because even though we know we're going to heaven, it's uh, it's in uh, uh, it's a process of dying. I guess that we don't like. Uh, I'm looking forward to being in heaven too, but I'm not sure I want to die. I had a missionary, one of that we supported up in Pennsylvania, and uh, he's in his 80s and he's got cancer, and we write back and forth now and then. And he said, you know, he says, I'm looking forward to going to heaven, but he said I'm not so terribly excited that I just want to die he says after all he says I've got an eternity to, to look around up there <laughs> not just a few years he said I've got the eternity wherever you know it's a whole different thing I want you to turn your Bibles now to the book of Ruth I want to just share some things with you there that I hope will be a, a blessing to you and, and a challenge to you as well um, I, I just want to kind of if I can, just share, talk with you a little bit and things. But in the a book of Ruth, of course, most of you are familiar with that and her great pledge to Naomi and to the Lord in that book. But let's just go through it. And I think we can find out some things that are very profitable to us uh, here. And by the way, I, I'm glad that Jim is here. I think he'll do a good job for you guys. He loves you. I know that. And he he, he uh, really wants to see you get going great, and I think that he'll lead you in that way. Uh, he's, a, he's a good man. Okay, <clears throat> in the book of Ruth, it starts out and says, in the, day of, in the day of the judges, when the judges ruled. So we know what kind of a situation it was. Israel was very disobedient during those days. They had all kinds of problems. And God had to deal with them. And so here it says that in the days of the judges, uh, because Israel was not following the Lord and not doing what he wanted them to do, um, it says God sent a famine into the land. God sent a famine. God's going to judge them. Now, Elimelech and uh, Naomi, they decided they weren't going to put up with that. They were going to go down to Moab. Now, it's kind of interesting. 
that Moab was an enemy nation. Prior to this time, Moab had come in and conquered Israel and for 18 years had made them subservient to the Moabites. They came in and, you know, they just took over and we're running things and you're going to do what we say. And so, all this time, Moab was not good. And also, when, when the Jews were coming up out of Egypt and came through the land of Moab, the Moabites did not treat the Jews at all nice. They were not, they were not the friends of the Jews. Now, it's interesting that Elimelech, he said, I'm not going to go hungry. He talks to his wife, said, let's get out of here. Let's go down to Moab. Now, it's kind of interesting that a man that's in God's country, Bethlehem means the house of bread. They were living in Bethlehem. They were in the house of bread. God would have taken care of them. He might have given them some discipline, but that doesn't mean that God was going to starve them to death, and I'll show you that a little later. But anyway, they took off with their two sons. Now, I want to tell you, folks, I'll just tell you up front. <laughs> it's never good to run from God into the enemy's hands and think you're going to be better off. And so many times people do that. Oh, I'm going to quit church. They did this or they did that or they, you know, a bunch of hypocrites or they this. There's something. In, and we, we run from God. We run from God's people. We get into the enemy's crowd. And that's never good. That's never good. And Elimelech and his wife, Naomi, they went down there. And then they took their two sons down there. And that was kind of interesting too because... God had told them not to marry the Moabites because they were wicked people. I'll tell you, more young people get into trouble because they marry the wrong person. They marry the, in the enemy's crowd. And when we marry into the enemy's crowd, we're just getting in trouble all, all over the place. It never turns out the way it is. Now, the, I believe in the sovereignty of God, and I know that sometimes there's guys and gals that get married and their, their spouse will get saved and the home will be united and things will go well because they finally got right with God. But I want to tell you, a lot of times it doesn't. And a lot of times there's struggles over at our church there. We have several ladies that come to church. They've been coming to church since they were kids. But somewhere along their teenage years, they married unsaved men. And these men... They'd come to church when they were dating. Oh, yeah, they'd do that. They'd come all the time. They'd come to church when they were wanting to get this girl to marry them, but then all of a sudden, they never come back. I've been over there 12 years now, and there's a lot of men that are husbands of the wives in the church that I've never seen in church. And they don't have anything to do with God. We had a couple young, young teenagers grow up through our church just since Connie and I have been back. And, and uh, they're in college. Both of them are in college. Now, one of the girls in nurses training, the guys, I think he's in pre-law. He's trying to decide whether that's what he wants or not. But they're, they're smart kids and good kids, and they love the Lord. But their dad said, no way are you going to go to a Christian school. No way. 
you have to go to a secular school. I'm not going to have anything to do with you if you go to a Christian school. And that's, that, that causes division and difficulty in families. Well, anyway, they took these guys down there, their kids, and they took them into the enemy's territory. So what did they do? They're young people. They want to get married, so they marry Moabite girls. And that was not supposed to be. Now, I know this whole book is a story of of the sovereignty of God and how God can intervene. But there needs to be a change of heart, which, of course, we've seen in Ruth. Then, uh, so, after they went down there, now, Elimelech went down there because he wanted to live. And what happened? Both he and both his sons died. Didn't work anyway. And so here's Naomi. She's a widow. She has two, two uh, daughters-in-law. And she uh, is down there. And then she hears that they've had a good harvest back in Israel. Now she left for the wrong reason. They left because they weren't trusting God for their livelihood. What were they, what were they trusting God? They, they weren't trusting God for their food even. They wanted to have something to eat. And so they take off. Well, we know better. We know what we're doing. We're going to go down there in the enemy's territory. We can get food down there. Now, in verse 6, she, Naomi decides she's going to go back. And why? It says in verse 6 that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how the Lord had visited his people in giving them food. Now, I want to tell you something, folks. Sometimes we even do the right things for the wrong reasons. She should have been back in Israel to begin with. And it was the right thing to do to go back to Israel. But she was not going back because she loved the Lord. She was going back because she heard there's food there. She's going back to Israel for the same reason she left Israel. She's just looking at the physical and not the spiritual. So the Bible says that she heard there was food there. So, okay, there's food there. I'm going to go back. And that's what she did. And when she started out, then her two daughters-in-law started with her. Now that's, that's good. But, and she does something else that I think is just really crazy. Uh, in verse 8, she says, Go return each to her mother's house. The Lord will deal kindly with you as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that we may find that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and lifted up her voice, and they wept. It was a very trying time. And then she says, in the verses of following, she even tells them to go back to their heathen gods. I'm telling you, when a backslidden Christian gives advice, don't listen to them. <laughs> Here was a person from the land of Israel. She was supposed to be worshiping Jehovah. And she tells her own daughter-in-laws, she says, you go back and you, you live with your, your families and you worship your gods. What a bad piece of advice. You ever heard people say things like that? My, how far out of the will of God can we get? When we run into the enemy's territory and we don't do what God tells us to do, then we start giving bad advice and we, we can give some really bad stuff. 
If we don't listen to the scriptures and listen to God and, and do what God has instructed us to do. Well, so here they go. Now, she tells them to go and one of them does and we're not going to go through all of that, but, but Orpha uh, kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her in verse 14. And then she said, Behold, my sister-in-law has gone back to her people, thy sister-in-law, and unto her gods return thou after your sister-in-law. Here is a person who is supposed to be worshiping Jehovah, is a, should be a child of God. She's a part of Israel, God's chosen people. And she's telling her own daughter-in-law to go back and worship heathen gods. Now, that's not good advice. That's just not. And so I, I just say to you, we just have to watch. When a person is backslidden and they're not living for God and not doing what God wants them to do, you be careful about what kind of advice they give you because it's probably not going to be the right thing. So they go and do that. And then in verse 16, we find this great portion of scripture. Uh, she says, Entreat me not to leave thee or to turn away from following thee. For where thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people and thy God, my God. That's one of the greatest verses in the Bible. And she did that in spite of her mother-in-law being out of, out of the will of God. But she said, I'm going to stick with you. She said, I'm not going to leave you. There's only one thing that's going to separate us, and that's death. She said, I'm going to stay with you. Where, verse 17, where thou diest, I will die. And, where, uh, and there will I be buried. And the Lord do to me, um, so to me. And more also, if anything but death part us. I mean, there's, there's some real commitment, I think. And we'll see that farther on in the book. Although I'm not going to finish the book today because we'd be here all day. But, but it's, isn't it amazing that she makes this in spite of the fact that Naomi was not living for the Lord and not living the way God wanted her to live. And she tells these girls to go back and live in the, in the, the God-hating atmosphere of Moab and worship their heathen gods. Again, so then we find out that they go back. Now, here's another thing. Naomi, her, her whole world, the bottom was falling out of it. And it said in verse 19, So they went until they came to Bethlehem, and it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them, and they said, Is this Naomi? And she said to them, Call me not Naomi, Call me Myra, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. Here was a woman who was mad at God. She said, God's delivered, dealt bitterly with me. He's given me a rough time. He's took my husband. He took my, my sons. And she's just mad as can be at God. She found that her world was just falling apart. And I'll tell you, folks, if you look around, and we were talking about this just a little bit in Sunday school, this world is falling apart. And if it wasn't for the stability that God gives me, I think I'd be coming apart. I mean, we just don't even realize that we, we look at the news media and we, we think that we kind of know what's going on in the world. We don't know. 
We don't know. My wife spent some time in the Chad when she was in college. She's a nurse and she worked in a hospital there for a, a, a time. And I want to tell you, they don't mention Chad. When's the last time you heard Chad mentioned on the news, the CBS or NBC or anybody else? When's the last time you heard the Central African Republic uh, mentioned? And they're having a civil war there. All of Africa is seething bet between the Ob uh, Ebola outbreak and, and the wars that are going on. And not only that, all of the Arab world is, is seething and it'll not stop. It'll only get worse. And the United States is not helping it very much in my opinion, but that's, that's neither here nor there because nobody pays attention to me. But anyway, you know, it, it, it is like that. And I'll tell you what the solution is. The solution... The solution is to get God back in our life. We need Jesus now more than ever. You know, even as Christians, sometimes we think, oh, we'll, we'll just handle this, we'll tough it out, we'll get through this. But that's not the way it's going to be. We need, and we need to, and I'm glad you're studying this apologetic thing. That's one of the things that helped me most when I was in seminary, is to just realize that we do have the answer. And we do have the Lord, and we know personally. Now, I know it's, we're talking about this morning, and experience is not the only thing. But I'll tell you, God has done something for me. I've had, I've had cancer now for four years, the second time around. And I'm still here enjoying life. God has been good to me. And I, I at least in my mind, at least in my mind, it's because... God is with me. I, <laughs> I say the doctors can give me the medicine, but they can't make it work. And they won't tell me that. I talk to the doctors. I've got two cancer doctors working on me. I don't know why I need two of them, I guess. But anyway, they, and I say, uh, will this stuff work? Well, we don't know. We'll just try it. So I just say, so what? They can do what they want to do. They can give me the medicine. But if God wants it to work, it'll work. And God has used it to work. And I'm still enjoying life and, and I'm thankful. I am thankful to God that he is. But I'll tell you, our world is, is turning upside down. And, and I was interested in the Sunday school that your teacher was saying about how people just, you just put up something about God or about Jesus or any kind of a Christian testimony, and I mean you will just be inundated with the opposite. But that's not what we need. What we need is Jesus. I've asked the people here to play a song that I think is so appropriate, and I'll have them play it for you at this time. It's, a, it's the title of it is, We Need Jesus Now More Than Ever. more than 
sailing in stormy weather, and all his children should get together. For we need Jesus now more than ever. He touched the lame man, and he started walking. He touched the dumb man. Started talking, he put their lives all back together. But we need Jesus now more than ever. Jesus now, Jesus now, more than ever. More than ever. We are sailing in stormy weather. Blood can give protection. Jesus now, Jesus now, more than ever, more than ever. We are sailing in stormy weather, and all His children, we should get together. For we need Jesus now. Not only did Naomi need Jesus, we all do. And in our world, and in the things that are happening now, we just need to turn to Christ. And we as Christians just need to let Him be the center of our lives. And then, then we can start really living. And we know that He's in control. And He can handle things for us. So we see that Naomi was very bitter and why was she bitter? Did God do anything bad to her? No. She and her husband, Lamech, they're the ones that chose to leave the land of promise and go into the land of the enemy. And then when they go down there and reap the consequences, then they get mad at God. And so many times people do that. I've dealt with so many people that have said to me, well, why does God allow this to happen? God probably didn't want it to happen. But they have chosen. God does give us a free will. 
and they have chosen to walk away from God and to go their own way and then when they get in trouble they get mad at God and he didn't want them to go there in the first place and that's just exactly what happened to Elimelech and Naomi they, they decided they were going to the enemy's camp and they'll get along okay down there and they all, all the men died and the women they were left destitute there I mean it's just so sad when people say oh, I'm going to do what I want to do and when they do then they have some trouble and then they say, oh, God did this to me. Sometimes I get a little bit perturbed. I'll use that term. Uh, when people say, oh, everything happens for a reason. They think they're quoting the Bible. It says that everything works together for good to them that love the Lord. And I think those who are without the Lord, I think their life can just be chaos. It's because they've turned their life against Him. That's what's, that's what's wrong. And, and they try to say, oh, there's a reason here for something. And it's probably just because the reason is because they're out of the will of God and they're not doing what they should be doing. And so here's Naomi. She's doing that and she's blaming God. And verse 20, I've, I've already mentioned this, that she said to them, call me not Naomi, but call me Myra, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. That's not true at all. God didn't send them down into the enemy's camp. They chose to do that. And they chose to do it thinking that's the way they would have life. And, they, and the men all died and left them alone. But it says here, um, she says in verse 21, I went out full and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me and the Almighty hath afflicted me. She blames God. How many times do people blame God when it has nothing to do with God's fault? I mean, God doesn't send us into the enemy's territory. He doesn't, he doesn't send us into Satan's clutch. He rescues us from that. He pulls us out of that. And that's where a Christian testimony can be a, 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 real, a real effective when people see how God has changed our lives. That's not a good apologetic thing as we talked about in Sunday school class, but I want to tell you, it, is, it does make a difference when people see a changed life. When they see a hypocritical life, people say, oh, I've, I'm serving the Lord, I'm doing this and I'm doing that, and I'm a Christian, and then we don't, we don't do that. There's no change in their life. That's not a good testimony. But I'll tell you, when people see an absolute, genuine change, it'll have an effect on people. Because they don't have that change. They don't have the ability to change because they don't have the Holy Spirit in their lives to help them and guide them and encourage them. So, Ruth has some interesting things here. Now, um, I don't know how far you, how long you guys go here because uh, it's 11.25. You go to noon? Will you get mad if I let you out early? Well, let's look a little bit more here into the book of Ruth because there, there's some interesting things here. <clears throat> now Ruth gets back up there with Naomi in chapter 2. We find out that they get back there, and of course they don't have anything to eat. And in those days, because they didn't have welfare and 
food assistance and food stamps and everything else. The way they ate was that they would go out in the harvest field and after the harvesters went through, and you're familiar with this, they would allow the poor people to glean. Maybe they'd just go along, pick, along the edges and where they would cut it with a... We don't see that anymore, but uh, some of you remember when they used to use a, a cradle to cut the wheat, you know, and stuff, and they would, a little bit would fall here and there, and, and, and the people would come, the poorer people would come in and pick that up. Well, when they get back there, Ruth decides she's going to do that. Um, in verse 2 of chapter 2, it says, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of grain after him whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to a, a portion of the field belonging to Boaz, who was a, of the kindred of Elimelech. Now, she didn't know that. There wasn't a sign there that says, oh, this is Boaz's field and he's your relative. But she just saw that and she came to the field and so she didn't know who it was and so she started gleaning. And then it says that Boaz came uh, from town, came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. That's kind of a warm... Uh, uh, from the employer to the employees, he says, the Lord be with you. How many of you have worked in a place where you met your boss and he says, the Lord be with you? That's a, Well, that's good. That's great. I had a guy in my church up in uh, Michigan, and he kind of got cross-grained with the Lord. I don't know if I told you this or not. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. But he, he got cross-grained with the Lord, and... Uh, 